Hello there, everyone. Welcome to the TSG Podcast. Just a huge disclaimer before we begin that all content produced on this channel is for education and entertainment purposes only. Enjoy the episode. This might be something that we might want to do a whole episode on. Sure. Um, and that is the issue of meme stocks. Oh, yeah. Because um, actually, <laughs> just as we were just talking, I was thinking of there's almost like a blurry distinction. Mm-hmm. Maybe I don't want to go too deep into this because we'll start doing it now and maybe we should do it on another episode. But I'll <laughs> I just, mean, we I'll could mention, do it now, but let, let's see. We're, we're, yeah. Let's see where this goes. I'll mention this. So um, I was thinking about um, you know stocks that are popular for value investing mm-hmm. often do have a certain meme quality in a sense that like... Um, <clears throat> you'll hear about people talking about a particular new thing. Like, oh, when Chipotle was starting to become popular. Oh, have you tried this place? It's good. Mm-hmm. People, I remember people talking about Chick-fil-A, um, mm-hmm. Pokemon Go, right? Um, these are real products that impacted people's lives, which they then talked about. Mm-hmm. I think, um, on the other hand, there are meme stocks, mm-hmm. which... As I think I've described before, I think this is kind of a product of where we are in the long-term debt cycle and the the long-term way of markets is that people Mm -hmm. just are in a hyper-speculative mode. Yes. um, And, you know, if you like, there's so many directions I want to go. But uh, (laughs) memes, I think there's a lot to say about meme stocks. This is a very unique phenomenon. It mm-hmm. kind of cuts against the principles of uh, of value investing, mm-hmm. not entirely, like I said, because you know, like like there there are some uh, some companies that get brought up in value investing circles, like Chipotle, which was a meme at a at, for a time, you know. Mm-hmm. But it was, I think, the difference is you dig into the fundamentals and you find out, yeah, it's it's everyone's talking about this because it's a it's a it's delicious food it's mm-hmm. high quality etc cetera, etc cetera, versus you know everyone's talking about GameStop and mm-hmm. then you look at the numbers and it's like yeah no wonder Wall Street is shorting the crap out of this because this is mm-hmm. not looking good but people want to try to meme it just like you know blow so, air into the bloom somehow so so really quickly can, can we define what meme stock is because i'm getting two different understandings of what meme stock is from the chipotle and the uh the gamestop reasoning and and there, there's a reason why i'm getting two different uh i not ideas but two different concepts of what meme stock is so can you can you just define it for me really quickly you know that is a great question um okay because you know i was just thinking of the two words right a yeah, meme yeah. is is an idea that's taking off okay. and so um according to investopedia okay a meme stock refers to the shares of a company that have gained a cult-like following online through yes. social media platforms Yes. Um, these online communities can go on to build hype around the stock through narratives and conversations elaborated in discussion threads on websites like Reddit mm-hmm. and posts to followers on platforms like Twitter and Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if Chipotle was that kind of a meme stock. I, I 
when thinking of stocks mm-hmm. that when thinking of a stock like Chipotle, that was almost like an, an in real life meme, like literally speaking yeah. to people in real life, they would ask me, have I tried Chipotle? Well, I think, I think that's, it, this is my version of what meme stocks are. And that's why I, I, I needed that definition to see where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. Um, because in my opinion, the meme stock is like a meme, right? If it becomes an internet phenomenon through social media, and it's a company that is publicly traded. That, to me, is a meme stock. Now, on the other hand, like Chipotle, Nike, or whatever other company you want to be looking at, say that they, their product is incredibly good. And yes, they're doing social media marketing, but it's not like to the point where there's extreme irrationality behind the valuation, where you know it's like, oh, you got to get it because you know you have to get it, and everyone's like piling in money on it. But they're actually increasing in valuation and popularity because of the quality product that they built. I would, I would argue that that's like right outside the cusp of what a meme stock is. And mm-hmm. so I, I think it's just a really great product, a really good marketing skill. But it wasn't to the point where it was like a huge internet phenomena where it jacked up the price within a short time frame of like 5,000% or something like that. Um, the GameStop thing, like within a matter of a couple months, it went from $18 a share all the way up to like, what, 200, 160 or something like that. There's some outrageous valuation. So that, that at least it's my opinion. I'm not, I'm not discrediting what you're saying, but it, to, to me, that is what I feel a meme stock is. And and so Chipotle might be on the cusp of what a meme stock is and what it isn't. I, I tend to categorize that right outside, like on the borders of it. So mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I think I think meme stocks are particularly a, a new phenomenon where it's yeah. like, I think, you know, part of what distinguishes a meme stock from really anything that came before is uh the fundamentals do not matter like investors yeah, would no. explicitly say that yeah the fundamentals um, don't matter and it's based on extreme extreme irrationality um in terms of valuation okay and i, and I want yeah. to be very clear it's in terms of valuation uh on a fundamental process of looking at the numbers that the companies are producing the valuation that people are putting into it is is just does not make sense. I mean, GameStop, when I was looking into GameStop and this was, this was again, my first couple of years of looking in investments, I was looking at game companies and GameStop was one of them. I was looking at their numbers and I remember valuating them at like $6 a share because they were just negative the whole time. Like the pricing at the time was maybe $20 and I calculated it's like, oh, this should be like $6 based on just calculations alone. Was I right with my calculations? Probably not. But I, the fundamental thing about GameStop was it was a dying company, really. Mm-hmm. It, the subscriber base was lessening every single year. Um, we're getting uh, more and more online purchases for games, right? You can buy digital copies of games now. I mean, that's the whole revolution of what Steam was all about was, hey, I don't want to 
you know, pile my closet with CDs anymore. I just want it on my computer. And so Steam was created, Valve was created through that. And so a lot of gaming companies was gearing themselves towards an online distribution rather than a physical copy now. And so I just couldn't see GameStop being a thing. Um, and so the valuation of GameStop just skyrocketing like that due to the shorting of GameStop and you know people having huge nostalgia because that's where we did shop for games back then. And it's all emotionally based, right? It's a very extreme emotional response. And so, you know, and and for better or for worse, I mean, I, I, I was having a huge fun, ton of fun just watching what was occurring on the news because it, mm-hmm. it's like this is a great series of lessons uh, that an investor can take away from it, right? I personally didn't invest in, in GameStop during the hype. So I, I I was very clear, stay clear from that because uh, I I just my my valuations back then was still stuck in my mind. So I just couldn't find myself to actually invest in GameStop. So yeah, that could have been a very dumb decision. <laughs> like, who knows? <laughs> so yeah, I mean you you never know exactly what's going to happen in the future, mm-hmm. um, but it does you know looking at GameStop, that was a great example of like, how is it even, is there any chance that this could turn into a decent bet? It seems so unlikely. Mm -hmm. Now there's a couple of meme stocks that seem at least they don't seem that bad, right? Like looking at GameStop, I could figure out, you know, how there was no story of how GameStop is going to turn around, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but another one in the meme stock category was AMC, mm, yeah, a theater company, and uh, so they have movie theaters. And this is during COVID when yep. the meme phenomenon occurred. Yep, yep. And that is almost, I think, the meme may have begun as a value play, where everyone unloads on theaters, sells all their theater stocks because of COVID. Yep, and it's like. Well, now they're cheap, but like five years from now, or yep. even three years from now, like, are people going to be watching movies? Yeah, probably. Yep. So, well, that's actually, I had to put a disclaimer now because I do own AMC and mm-hmm. I bought it way before the meme actually happened. So, mm-hmm. um, so that's my disclaimer. So if we're going to talk about AMC. I, I, I can't talk about it because I already own it. Um, mm-hmm. But that was actually my, my reasoning was that during COVID, a, the theater shut down cruise line theaters anything that was public shut down and when that happens revenue and sorry for interrupting by the way but revenue no, just um craters and when revenue craters and if you're a public investor in a company and you see that you know the revenue is cratering most responses that you'll get from institutional investors or just investors in general is that oh shoot i'm losing money let's sell it now and so as a person who's coming in to seek uh, a good gain in their money. I'm looking at this as like, great, you know, COVID is hitting industries hard right now, which is unfortunate. But as an investor, this might pose a very good opportunistic time. And I didn't do too much math behind it. Okay. I'm going to be honest with you guys. I didn't do a lot of math behind it. My, my reasoning was a very speculative reasoning at this point. 
Um, I did do valuations way back when, but with the phenomenon of COVID and at the price point it was at originally, I could see that if I invested it now, which was at, well, 20%, 30% the original price, then I know with a safe margin of safety or a safe discount price that if I lose my money, you know, I, I have a 70% chance or I had a 70 to 30% chance of losing my money where 30% I would lose it and 70% I would gain more than what I invested in it back. And so that's what I did. I just based it off of probability at this point. And so, and with the whole COVID thing, it, it was a very extreme phenomena. We haven't seen it in our life, uh, at least in, in, in our current lifetime. And so this was something that I was like, you know what, let's take a shot at it. And I didn't invest a lot of money into it, but I invested some and I, I have a good return on it. I mean, I, I have a very good return on it. So I'm not going to complain about the valuation of AMC right now. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, at one point I saw like a, was it, uh, I mean, AMC went up to like $60, 60, $70 one time. And it was, it was, a it was a good, a good, good amount of return. I, I want to say. Not six times my money. I think it was more than that. It was like, man, maybe six, seven hundred percent return on investment during the wow. peak. During the peak. Now it's not that anymore. And so, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah. But yes, you're right. Uh, initially, it was based on actual evaluation, mm-hmm. um, and then it turned into a meme afterwards. Yeah, and I, I remember, um, you know, from my since I went to business school, I remember when this whole thing was happening, I was saying, you know, if investors swoop in and pump up your stock, mm-hmm. that actually gives a company a different approach to their whole capital structure. They can actually, mm-hmm. you can borrow more money, for example, when mm-hmm. you have a higher stock price. Mm-hmm. And um, you could also issue more stock, right? If everyone's so um, hungry for your stock, you can mm-hmm. just issue more. Um, yeah, but that that's going to be posing a lot of problems if you issue uh-huh. more stocks because now the current stockholders that you are uh, that have already invested in you now you're diluting their shares, and so a lot of original stockholders may get irritated by that because I wanted to buy your company to own say ten percent of it. Obviously, that's not the case, but say mm-hmm. it's ten percent and you issued more stock. Now that ten percent might turn into only 3% of the company. So we're losing our buying power or not buying power, our voting rights because of the dilutions in shares. Unless you're able to split the stock for the original shareholder where we can you know, gain an eight to one split or one to eight split, whatever the heck that is, where we get the equivalent of stock added back into our portfolio, then that's fine. But if you're just adding more more than investors are going to get irritated, very angry. <laughs> so, at least in my opinion, yeah, yeah, that's a key point. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially for a meme stock, mm-hmm. if you because w- during this meme phenomenon, what I noticed is GME GameStop did not issue more stock Mm-mm. and AMC did. Yep, and um, I think. So if you're going to, if you're in the middle of your company being memified, mm-hmm. uh, 
the big question for you is if you issue more stock, are you going to use that new capital wisely? Do you are do you really have something good to deploy that new capital in? If you don't, then you shouldn't do it. Well, yeah, that and that that goes back to do you do you trust the leadership, right? And yeah, that, that's why I, my big rule is: can I understand what the leadership is doing? Now, with that being said, again, AMC was a strict speculative investment for me it was less mm-hmm. than two percent of my portfolio so it's not like i'm huge into amc i do own shares but it, it was more of if it if it gets big then at least i get some of my money back and if i lose it then i lose it it's not a huge end of the world for me and again this goes back to my investment style where i do allocate certain amounts of percentages of my portfolio to these types of investments majority of my investments in my portfolio is 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 like a lock and key kind of thing where I have to make sure that I know what I'm investing in before I invest in it. Uh, AMC just falls into the bucket of speculative slash fun investments that I wanted to try out and test new theories on. So, yeah, that makes. I, sense. I have to clarify that because I know I'm a walking contradiction if I don't. So <laughs> I gotta clarify. <laughs> The last meme stock that I was going to bring up was Tesla. Ah, um, yes. You know, a very interesting company, very yes. innovative. Yes. Uh, creating real value, I think. Yes. Um, but, and they've, in a way, they, they maybe transitioned from Maybe you could call it a value play, but in some ways you could call it a growth investing play from years ago. I mean, I remember probably maybe six or seven years ago, people talking about Tesla and saying, should Mm -hmm. we invest in Tesla? Mm -hmm. Because, Mm -hmm. you know, because Elon Musk, people were excited about Elon Musk. And I remember uh, it started among the, I guess you could call it the nerd community, right? Me and my techie friends would talk about Elon Musk and say, man, He's landing rockets from outer space and um, creating electric cars, which is something that people have been talking about since I was a kid. You know, I had a friend who had like a design when, you know, when he was like, I mean, I don't know, he must have been just a teenager, but mm-hmm. he was geeking out and he was like, had his schematics on a piece of paper that he was drawing. Like, check it out. I have this idea for an electric car. And I mean, just a lot of, uh, tech savvy people would talk about electric cars and how it's better. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, GM tried to make an electric car and I, you know, there was a documentary alleging that basically the oil industry shut that down. Mm-hmm. Um, but then along comes Tesla and all of a sudden there's all these electric cars, fully electric cars driving around on the street, cars that can't, you can't put gas in it. Mm-hmm. It's just like, wow, this is a new thing has happened here. And so we're all, everybody's talking to each other. Like, you know, this guy's, this guy's onto something. He's onto more than one thing. He's onto multiple things right now. Mm-hmm. He's doing uh, investing in solar panels. Mm-hmm. It seems like a, you know, a pretty great investment. However, the question becomes, you look at the fundamentals and say, okay, what are the future possibilities for this company mm-hmm. in terms of actually making money for the investor? Mm-hmm. And 
recently, it does seem like it's become a meme stock where for Tesla to fulfill its valuation, it has to take over the world. <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> which is probably not going to happen. I mean, they could do all kinds of great things. Mm-hmm. They could, I mean, I think they could take like half. I mean, I don't know. I haven't done the math, but I'm imagining they could take a gigantic portion of the car market and still not justify the valuation. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So there's there's definitely some meme action going on there. But have you have you considered Tesla? I am ashamed to say this, but I was once an owner of Tesla stocks, mm-hmm. and I stupidly added a stop loss directive in my portfolio. Because um, because I thought it was a safe thing to do. I told the portfolio that if the Tesla stock dropped this certain amount of money, just sell everything. I didn't know at the time. And again, this was within the first six, five-ish years of my investments. I did not know that uh, Tesla was that fluctuative. And again, back then, the pricing was roughly between $100 to $200 a share. Um, and so I put a stop loss at $180 a share, uh, solar city. I purchased solar city back then, uh, and it merged into Tesla. And so the transition in price w- when it merged was around $196 a share. Mm-hmm. And so I put a stop loss at 180 because I saw it was going from 196 down to 190 down to 185 within a matter of three days. So I was like, okay, well, if it goes to 180, just sell it and uh be done with it at least i can recuperate some loss i had no clue what tesla was back then i just knew my friend was talking about this and this was back in 2011 so this was one of the couple stocks that i didn't know about but because my friends were talking about it um i decided to you know it's like okay well let me invest in solar city because elon also owns that and uh and let's see where this goes. And so what happened was that the stock price went down to 174. My account sold all my Tesla shares. And I never looked at it again. Because when I did look at Tesla, like you said, the valuation was just outrageous. It was completely, um, I, I had, I, all, all I knew back then, and this again was the first couple of years, all I knew back then was that the revenue was going down every year. And so my thought process was like, well, if your company's not making any sales and it's constantly going down every year, I don't feel like this is going to be a good use of my money. I don't, I don't understand putting my money into this company on a, on a, just looking at numbers. Again, I was kind of trying to understand what was going on and I just didn't see it. So I was like, okay, I'm not going to invest more into this company, which is to my, to this day, I, who knew that it would be this valuation uh, and I regret my decision, but at the same time, I don't regret my decision because this led me to develop a stronger fundamentals in investment. So all my losses, all my failures in investment, investing helped me grow into a stronger and more sturdier investor, in my opinion. So, um, but yeah, if, if you're just looking at it and this is, this is the style of investment that I would say betting on the horse kind of, kind of style of investment. Uh, is it really value investing? The value is in the potential of the horse, right? The potential of the owner itself, the jockey. Sorry, investing in the jockey, not the horse. The horse is the vehicle. Uh, and so, uh, and just in my recent experience, at least, uh, I've been fortunate enough to 
talk to a wide variety of individuals. You know, some of them are on board directors and they gave me insights of what they look for uh, when they're hiring people as a CEO or when they're hiring people elsewhere. Um, and it, it's just, you know, just through common talk. Uh, I really didn't know that they were on a board at the time, but they're, they're telling me insights uh, of their experience. And one of the things that this particular uh, individual told me was that uh, always look into who who's running the company. Whoever's running the company, if you're able to see them as being a very lucky individual or a person who's really dedicated to their vision, to their mission, chances are they're going to do whatever it takes to get that vision in, right? And so when that person told me this philosophy of theirs, uh, and you know that's how they pick their new CEOs or new managers or whatever, I was like, well, that's kind of like what Elon is doing. I mean, if you are just strictly betting on Elon as the jockey uh, and you're looking at at what he's done, if you look at his record, right? And this is like a very analogous to like horse racing. If you look at the record uh, of the horse that's constantly winning championships, you have a higher chance of getting money, right? And this is Warren mm-hmm. Buffett's original approach, which is, do statistical probability look at the different horses out there see which horse and you know has won the most do the probability and put your money in where the highest probability is with the best odds and so elon being the jockey that's that's in charge of this horse this vehicle if you look at his past performance what did he do well he invented paypal right he originally was another company and then it went into paypal but he did paypal yeah, he did uh, several others that I can't remember off the top of my head, but each one of those was so successful and he sold them to build Tesla, to build Solar City, right? Mm-hmm. And he has this huge vision. And so now today, me understanding from my failures and from you know me conversing with a lot of individuals and, and just experience in general, now I'm starting to see why people are piling in on Tesla. And it's because everyone believes in Elon's vision. He has a great track record, right? Mm -hmm. And his credibility in terms of just production is good. Now, his marketing antics, questionable, not, not, uh, not something that you would see every day, but it works because he's playing to the meme. He's playing to the internet culture which is who is investing, I feel, into Elon, right? And he's pretty much speaking to the generation and be like, hey, the old timers are going to go. You guys are going to be here. And if you want a world where, you know, it's not a global disaster, then go for green energy now, right? Renewable energy now. And, you know, and he communicated very well in his annual reports, now that I think back at it, where he talked about phase one, phase two, phase three, and now into phase four of his plan, quote, end quote. Mm-hmm. And he's doing all of that. And so he already communicated what, to us what his plan was. And he is now in the process of unfolding the rest of his plan. And so, you know, in terms of communication, 
he's pretty good at it, right? He, you, when you look at him, you kind of know what's already on his mind. He's not really hiding anything. He doesn't show, at least in my opinion, he doesn't show that he's trying to swindle people out of their money, which is a good sign in terms of the person in charge, right? And again, that's only one key component on the way that I value invest. And so that's a good thing. But everything else with that, the fundamentals, the understanding of the business, understanding how it works and all of that, that's still a big mystery, uh, especially the numbers part. That's still a big mystery on my end. So am I investing in Tesla? No, <laughs> not right now. <laughs> I, it's just just letting everyone know I, I'm not invested in Tesla right now. So, But that, that is just my opinion of what I think. I, and I don't remember what your original question was, Sean. Um, again, this is just stuff that I've thought about a lot. And, you know, yeah. I, I do a lot of reflection and it's a lot from building from your own experiences on failures. And I hope, I hope that this is giving you some value. I, I really do. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's definitely good to think deeply about this kind of stuff. And then, you know, then it becomes hard to articulate it, right? You get this whole connected set of ideas and you can only say them one at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, one thing, um, one interesting thing about Tesla is that Elon has said things that seem, he's, they basically amount to him saying, my goal is to change the world and not really to make money. Like, I don't know if he's totally flat out said that his goal is not to make money, but he's Mm -hmm. really gestured in that direction. And Mm -hmm. so sometimes I look at, you know, investors wanting to get into Tesla, especially Mm now, or, you know, at the current prices Mm -hmm. and thinking he, I mean, if you are investing in a company to make money and the leadership has said they're not trying to make you money, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Maybe you should look for a company that is trying to make you money. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that would be one reason why at least an investor should look skeptically at Tesla, unless they're. You could almost think it as a quasi charitable thing, especially yeah. if you have, uh, if you're already rich. You could say, look, maybe Elon will make me more rich, but also maybe, uh, you know, I just want electric cars to exist. You know, so. Or let's help. Or the reason why people are investing right now is because they do see something fundamentally wrong with the world right now, and they yes. do want that change. Mm-hmm. And that's a great reasoning, right? Yeah. Uh, if you want to just invest, not based on any fundamentals or anything, that is a great reasoning. It's like I see this guy; he knows why he's. You know, we know who he is. He's done a lot for for the country already i mean he's already geared most of the auto industry into electric we're going on our way to fighting global warming and to reduce a lot of the climate issues that has been occurring Mm -hmm. and if if you believe in that mission right who am i to tell you not to invest in it now granted will i do it my philosophy in investing is very different from another person's so Mm -hmm. i'm not going to say don't invest in it I believe that he is going to change the world. I do believe that uh, it might be more so for the better. But at the same time, I'm very conservative with my with with what I put my money into because mm-hmm. I'm trying to grow it. I'm not trying, you know, I, I'm not in the position where I can charitably donate. 
I want to be in that position, but I, I can't because right now I'm, I'm focused on just growing in general. Uh, and it, until I hit that snowball point, like, you know, how Warren Buffett is where he's giving away 99% of his wealth, you know, I want to, I want to be able to do that, you know, and make a huge impact. And so, but that's not the time right now, at least, at least with the cards that I have, uh, in my hand. So, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. One, one thought I have about that is if, if someone really believes in the vision, uh, you might want to look at companies like uh solar panel manufacturers mm-hmm. uh you know battery manufacturers mm-hmm. companies like that are not even really competing with the vision they're like complements to the vision like, oh yeah and if the vision unfolds mm-hmm. those companies are going to do fantastically well even though they're not under the tesla umbrella they are under the umbrella of the vision you know well again i i, I would be very cautious about going that route just because if you're going to go into the battery realm, right? Mm-hmm. And this is just strictly just theoretical right now. I'm just thinking about it. Tesla already is building batteries. Mm-hmm. And so if you're going to be building your own version of a battery and you're going to compete with Tesla, just on a, a on a competitive basis, we're talking about two organic living companies right now. Mm-hmm. You have to do, at least in my opinion, you have to do some homework. Between, oh, definitely. Between the two, right? I, I agree that we want to have more batteries. We want to have more solar panels. We want, we, we do want that. But don't forget about your fundamentals if you're going to go that route. Now, if you're going to go into just the energy sector in general, the renewable one, then, and if you're just going to throw money into the idea of it, go into an index fund. Right, it, it energy index fund where they invest in all the energy companies. At least one of them will will survive and bring up the funding. And so that that's something that I would gear more towards if I didn't know much about the battery energy realm. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, I, I keep interrupting you. I do apologize, but this is something I, I you're you're hitting my territory. So yeah, no, <laughs> I, like, I, no, don't do that. <laughs> you know, don't, if you put your money in here, it's competing with Tesla. It might kill you. <laughs> so yeah, I was definitely going to say something about. I was definitely going to say something about doing homework. Uh, yes, yes. I, I'm so sorry. I. I <laughs> You can see my 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 experience is coming out. I was like, D- you don't want to do that. Trust me, <laughs> I lost money doing that. So, <laughs> anyways, hey, there's there's dollar bills in front of that steamer. Let me just let me just go grab some of those. Oh yeah, yeah. Hmm. <laughs> oh wait, these aren't oh. real. What happened? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, no, but it's a very fascinating world, the investment world. And I, I just, and this is what's kept me in, in the game. I mean, you know, after losing 50% of your portfolio, you'll, you'll just be like, oh, right, screw it. I'm just going to give my money to someone who knows what they're doing with the money and I'll pay them a fee. But, you know, just looking at the game and really finding it, fun to discover more about yourself your philosophy your own style what you feel your what you feel would be correct your hypothesis and testing those hypotheses out that to me is the beauty of just value investing is you're really 
you're really not trying to go with the crowd. And when you're not going with the crowd, chances are you're going to gain something more out of it, in my opinion. Um, at least the way that I've been doing it. And so have fun with it. That that that's mm-hmm. I, I'm really trying to communicate that this is a fun topic to keep going into. But if you don't have the stomach to see those fluctuations, then uh you know, really think about it. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. Anything else to say about meme stocks? <laughs> I can't think of any other. Uh, I got so many. I actually wrote a document. I wrote a document on GameStop a while back. I actually might post it in the Discord. And it, it, it I wrote it for a, another, uh, another person who requested it. Uh, and this was a while back. They knew that I was in the investment w- realm and they wanted to know my opinion. So I wrote like this two, three page document. There might be some errors in the document just because I tried to finish the document in about a week, but I might post it for everyone to see. Um, and it just goes over my philosophy of investment or what started me on my philosophy on investment, which was Charlie Munger. And mm-hmm. then walking through the ideologies or, or the you know betting on the horse, betting on the jockey examples, and you know what? I might I might just make it available for everyone to just see. And if this is something that you're interested in, in, in seeing and in, in reading, uh, let me know. And so because I I do this not only for other people, but I actually do it for myself to really organize my thoughts, and it's really helped me out. And I encourage anyone if you're going to do the value investing approach, write. Uh, write your story on on why you think this company is the way it is. And it really helps mm. organize everything down and, and paints a clear picture because if you can't really paint a picture just writing it in a paragraph format, chances are you, there's still more work to be done to understand the company. So That's a good idea. Mm-hmm. And um, I, yep. Go ahead. No, no. That, that, that was pretty much it. Um, I was going to mention that... Um, a while back, you shared with me a video of a lecture from Charlie Munger. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was really interesting, and it, it pertains directly to meme stocks. Yes. Uh, Charlie Munger really looked into psychology. Yes. And um, he read all kinds of psychological literature and basically pulled out mm-hmm. uh, things that uh, he thought were critically important. And a lot of them what he was going over in this lecture was a list of biases mm-hmm. and um, a lot of the individual biases I had heard about before, but one really interesting point he makes that uh, he thinks psychology doesn't look into enough is the idea that these biases combine. Yes. They synergize into, yes. you know, if you can, if something, if there's like five different biases that are all pointing in the same direction, mm-hmm. they're massively amplified. Yes. And um, in meme stocks, you know, I mean, so what's interesting is in value investing, a lot of times I think people are looking for the extreme irrationality mm-hmm. in, of negativity. Yes. Because that's when there are a lot of good buys is when all the stocks are down or when particular stocks are down because everyone is just emotionally mm-hmm. down on this company, even though the company is full of you know, it may be full of smart people who are working their asses off to get the company 
going in a good direction and they could succeed. And so you get this, this bargain of a company and make a lot of money off of it. Mm-hmm. What's interesting about meme stocks is it's, it's irrationality amplified in the positive direction. And I think we kind of reached maybe a new era of markets where different groups have figured out how to weaponize the positive irrationality using the internet to a mm-hmm. level that it's like we've never seen before. It's like mm-hmm. they can really, you know, combine multiple biases on the internet and get a stock to just blast off. And especially if it's being short squeezed. Oh yeah. That certainly oh, yeah. looks like a, a prime candidate to try and, you know, squeeze through all those shorts and blast the stock into the stratosphere temporarily. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's really, it's really interesting how Munger uh, goes through all the uh, different biases and different types of irrationality that apply to mm-hmm. stocks. And I'm sure some of that is probably in the document you were talking about. Yes. So I, I have some, I don't have all, all of it. It was mainly the four things to look for uh, when you're first delving into a, a company like, and this is his four basic rules. Uh, if I was to list them right now, it's, mm-hmm. um, be able to invest in what you, you're able to understand is part of this BBC documentary with Andy Serkins. I think it was uh, either BBC or something, but uh, invest in what you're capable of understanding. That's the first and foremost thing. Again, you need to have an advantage in, in this marketplace. If you're investing in something that you have no clue what you're investing in, or you have no clue of what the topic is about, say for instance, I, you want to invest into biotechnology and they are manufacturing medication to fight cancer uh, at a molecular level by switching out some of the atoms with nitrogen, for instance. Do you understand that? Like, do you understand why they're switching out nitrogen with nitrogen? Now, this is a hypothetical. I'm just making up an example. But if you don't understand what I just said and you're investing in a company that does that, chances are you need to really go back and understand what's going on because you're not at an advantage. And the key thing is always in, in an investing realm is to have an advantage. Because that's the best chance that you will know when the best opportunities are in that specific field. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that is number one. Number two is, is there integrity in the management? So is the leader, the people who are running the company, are they uh, people that you would trust giving money to, right? You're not going to give money to any random person. You're not going to give a money like say that you have a thousand dollars and you want to give your money away to invest it, you're not going to give you and you have two people in front of you. One of them is a gambler and the other one is a hard worker who who does produce something. Chances are you're not going to give it to the gambler, right? Because you know at the end of the day that it's a hit or miss with that person. Versus the other person who's a hard worker and has a nice return might not be the best return ever, but you know with more confidence that that person is going to give you back your money with interest, right? So does the management have a good integrity? That's key number two. Key number three is, is the product or company versatile enough? Is it strong enough to withstand the fluctuations of life? Now, in in his documentary, he says vicissitudes of life. But in my, my understanding, it's the fluctuations of life. There's going to mm-hmm. be uptrends. There's going to be downtrends. There's going to be booms. There's going to be busts. There's going to be a growth versus a recession slash depression. Can your company withstand those wild fluctuations? 
Okay. And so if you look at McDonald's, can McDonald's withstand a recession? Yes. Because one, McDonald's is almost on every single corner like Starbucks is. And number two, the food. People need to eat. And they're going to look at McDonald's being the cheapest place to go to. And they're going to eat McDonald's, right? Say mm-hmm. that they're, they're tight on money. Most likely, they're going to go to McDonald's. So that is a very strong product. And so that's what Charlie Munger and Warren Buffett will call a moat, a moat around the business, something that can protect the castle. Okay. And last but not least, which is what we've been talking about all day, which is, can I get it at a good margin of safety or a discount rate? Or is it on sale? And depending on how aggressive you want that sale to be, will determine the best probability of getting your money back with interest or with growth, right? The higher the margin of safety, the, the better chance that you'll get your money back. Now, unfortunately, in the real world where all the valuation is now public, to find a very high margin of safety, the only way that you can find that, in my experience, is through extreme pessimism, extreme irrational behavior. And so when there is extreme negativity in the marketplace, that to me is a signal for time to go shopping, see what's on sale. And so those are the main four. So number one. Do you understand the company? Number two, is the management with good integrity or are they able to communicate to you properly? If not, then maybe look elsewhere. Number three, um, do they have a strong enough product that can withstand the fluctuations? And number four, can I get it on sale? And those are the main four. Now, there are other questions that I ask in between those four, but those are the main four. Very nice. Yeah. Very useful. Yeah. Well, that might be a good place to wrap up our discussion of meme <laughs> stocks. Yeah, so let's wrap up the meme stock discussion. <laughs> All right. So we should just call it here for today for, for this portion of the episode. Yeah? Yeah. All right. So, guys, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, again, I'm Tim. Sean is with me and hopefully you guys Mm -hmm. found this to be very enjoyable entertaining and informative Uh, until next time again uh, don't trade pennies for a dollar see you guys in the next episode take care